0: Before we get into the episode, a quick reminder that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and nothing should be construed as investment or legal advice. If you are enjoying OnRamp media content, please like, subscribe, and share as it goes a long way in helping others find the signal through the noise. Now for a word from OnRamp, OnRamp is a Bitcoin asset management platform built on multi-institution custody, leveraging our partnership with BitGo and their 10 plus year track record in securing assets and CoinCover, the premier digital asset risk mitigation company, OnRamp's multi-institution custody is a segregated, institutional-grade vault, requiring two of three institutions at any point in time to sign once a client's unique permissions have been met. At OnRamp, we understand that your Bitcoin journey is a multi-generational pursuit, catalyzed by the ideals of perseverance, aspiration, and legacy. That's why we're proud to introduce OnRamp Heritage, a suite of private client services dedicated to ensuring your Bitcoin legacy is preserved and passed on, embodying the true essence of wealth that goes beyond mere numbers. If you would like to learn more, please schedule a consultation. As we prepare for the Bitcoin halving and the next wave of global adoption of this nascent and growing asset class, we are halving all annual maintenance fees for clients that secure their wealth before the next Bitcoin epoch,
1: what you're telling me is
2: that music is about to stop, and we're going to be left holding the biggest bag of odorous excrement ever assembled in the history of darkness. 1974, 1987, 92, 97, 2000, and whatever we want to call this. It's all just the same thing over and over. We can't help
0: ourselves. I say when we sell. Hey, 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 I, I, I say when we sell.
2: So the Irish exit is an American phrase. You've never heard this in, in your neck of the woods, Alan?
1: I, I've literally never heard that before, no.
2: It was <laughs> <laughs> my move in college. The Irish exit, you're out at the bar. With I, your I can completely
1: imagine where it even comes from, though, that it's like, uh, a, I wouldn't say a slur exactly, but a sort of a, an amicable slur. Um, but between between um, you know ethnic groups in in the U.S. where they all say they're oh I'm Italian I'm Irish I'm German and it's actually like their great 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 grandpa, and uh, you need that environment to like have a reason to make fun of Irish people, whereas actually where everyone's Irish is just like not a thing. <laughs> and I just made all that up now. I don't know if that's I completely believe that that's where it probably came from.
3: Yeah. Those those Irish lads at the pub having a good time and then they go home, Irish goodbye.
2: It's an endearing term. It's a it's a very maybe it's not as polite as people would say, but it's uh it's just it's like, like hey, like, I'm done a with kind this night. Slur. <laughs> I'm uh I'm an individual. I'm gonna make my own decision. I don't need to say goodbye to everybody. I'm leaving. You just walk out the door. I, I...
0: Yeah, I agree.
4: I think it plays on both sides. I think a lot of people don't feel like oh, I got to say bye to the, like multiple times.
1: You are kind of like benefiting both both sides of the the part the transaction. Yeah. Oh, I totally get the action. I, I'm not saying that the action is uh, is like <laughs> needs to be insulted or anything. I'm just imagining where that phrase for it yeah. came from. That this was something that people who again are like claimed they were Irish, but they're not really because they're yeah. American. You know, yeah. they they disproportionately did this, and then you know, they're also not really Polish and Italian friends. We're like, ah, oh, fucking Irish exit. Sorry, are we allowed to
3: swear on this? <laughs> it's just yeah, maybe not. not. You're going to bleed that out in post. We can do, do anything you, we want on the internet here.
2: Do you guys know what the opposite of an Irish exit is?
3: No. Announcing is a, a
2: retirement 10 months in advance, which is what the CEO of <laughs> Vanguard did. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's uh, not um, not coincidental timing at all.
2: <laughs> so let's go over this. Bitcoin ETFs, I think they surpassed even our wildest expectations so far. I think it's pretty safe to say. I think
4: uh, I said by the rumor, by the news, by Bitcoin, uh, I, I would... When we were talking about this, there was only one way. It's I think the ETFs remind me of just the Bitcoin trade or havings. Like all this stuff is so simple, it's so straightforward. And so like, why wouldn't it be insane for opening up liquidity globally? <laughs> yeah. Like that was always the take. I think there were some individuals that might have been a little less bullish on it, and uh, you know, not naming names either here or and the Twitter sphere. But it, it's just like common sense.
2: Oh, I, I agree, but. With that being said, ETS launched a month and a half ago now at this point, a lot, I mean, objectively, they're a bunch of large money managers that have a 90 day waiting period before they can get in. So a lot of the activity up until this point has been predominantly retail driven and driven by wealth managers that don't have those restrictions. So the floodgates haven't even been fully open. And what are the net accumulation is 371,000, I believe. Bitcoin?
4: Yeah, close to over 300,000, I think.
2: <clears throat> yeah. So it's pretty insane.
4: I'm convinced it's not even retail. Like, I know that they, they, Eric, like, these guys talk about it, but, like, us as a group, how many people do you know buying Bitcoin?
2: Like, net new people. I don't know the ETF. I know a lot of new people are buying Bitcoin that have texted
0: me.
4: And, but I think, like, just this notion of um, people, like, anecdotally reaching out and people stepping into the market, I think, is a different kind of bid, at least right now. Like, I think these pools open to RAAs and getting it on the platform and having the discussions and having to show all the, the uh, disclaimers around it, like, I don't think it turned on and then people just started buying out of the gate. I think there's different buying pressure right now that's completely unrelated to, like, the channels that I think people talk about from, like, a registered investment advisor or financial advisor just saying, oh, now I can smash buy and do a an Fidelity ETF. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I what imagine them using exactly that language clients like you can what... smash by now if you want
2: what are uh, Al, what are your thoughts on the etf launch so far
1: i, I passing expectations I mean pooper, but like I just honestly don't care at all. It, it's, <laughs> it's nice wow, really? it's nice for the price obviously <laughs> i i I wouldn't say by by that i don't at all mean I'm bearish on it like clearly it's gonna juice the price to the moon and that's that's good. Um, I just mean more. It's not. It's not really of of interest to me beyond that, and and even that I think is like I struggle to see it as being a good thing as opposed to just an inevitable thing. That that that's kind of my. Um, that's why I've been a bit confused by how excited it seems like most of Bitcoin Twitter is, other than just the price, because it it like obviously it's going to be amazing for the price. But also, obviously, eventually there was going to be an ETF. So it just to me, is kind of a nothing burger. Um, if, if anything, I can I can uh, turn it around on you guys. Like, why aren't you more mad about it? Surely every ETF buyer should be an on ramp customer, but isn't yet because they I don't know, they They're not educated enough. I don't know. They haven't listened to TFTC enough.
4: (laughs) That's the exact thing. I went full circle and I kind of fell in your camp for a very long time. And then I realized an ETF similar to like the same mechanism somebody bought on Cash App is the same deal as somebody buying via Fidelity. It's like you buy it Hmm. because it's the easiest way and then you go get educated because it's money. And that's the thing people forget. Like when it's an app or it's just like Amazon, you're just like, sure, I buy it. Don't go that deep on it. I trade it around. But inevitably, when the position goes from 1% to 3% to 10% because of price appreciation or doubling down, there's just inherent requirement to start to understand it. And then that's when people are like, holy crap. And we experienced this in 2021 with GBTC when people realized that to get spot exposure, they had to get out of the market. And generally, those were tax advantage accounts. So it wasn't so much as a taxable event, which obviously happens with an ETF. It was more of... When the price is railing and you step out of the market generally people are like holy crap i have two weeks where i'm in dollars and so this whole notion of like oh shit like i can't take delivery of this i'm worried about now that coinbase has a trillion dollars in bitcoin whatever the number is like all those things will inevitably really happen and in our opinion or at least my opinion the only way they could have happened is with the etf so that's why i think it's ultimately bullish is because the education game for everybody started whenever mm-hmm. this thing launched
1: yeah, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a good way of putting it, right? It's it's clearly bullish on the price. It was always going to be bullish for the price. Uh I don't think it's really bullish honestly at all for anything related to I don't know if you want to think of it as like uh technical development or or, or frankly even adoption. I think the the best way you can view it is as an educational stepping stone. Yeah. I think you need to you need to expect this massive influx of capital into the ETFs and then just sit around waiting for a massive outflux of capital into real bitcoin. Well, right. it's it's massive into the ecosystem like and the margins people are
4: going to allocate to infrastructure because the ETF is there which translates to technological development.
1: Yeah, true, but I mean I see that as being part of the stepping stone, right? That's that's mm-hmm. education in a in a snapshot, I think. Yeah. I this is I don't want to get too like bogged down in the semantics of this. I just I like being a party pooper on this. I just, I just really <laughs> don't care. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I think it is very, um, like, even if this ends up just being a dead end for this capital, like, people go in and, and they remain cash redeems and nobody ever takes their capital out, um, it does flip a whole lot of people from being anti-Bitcoin to now... Rooting for Bitcoin and wanting mm. the price to go up and wanting more of it and wanting to accumulate actual Bitcoin. So, like, I think the psych- psychological impact of it is a, is a massive boon for pre-adoption of real Bitcoin
4: yeah and i think like there's a big thing that we forget how long we've looked at this space that we joked when this thing was about to happen six months ago and like what is going on in the normie brain that blackrock and fidelity (laughs) are stepping in to like magic internet beans and to jesse's point it's like it's like the mask off moment of like you don't put the genie back in the bottle and it's out now everybody has to have a position a good advisor that was framing um oversees his synagogues like capital treasury and he was like, look, you know, been meaning to bring it up. It hasn't had it, uh, hasn't come up, you know, they're bearish, whatever. And the framing, which is like a really good framing, it's like, okay, that's fine if we're not allocating, but we have to have a very strong reason why we're not at this point because mm-hmm. of everything happening, mm-hmm. which is just a foundational difference in having to like advocate for
2: it. I talked with somebody this week who's mulling over their an investment consultancy group and they were mulling over going to their clients, they're sold on Bitcoin internally and they're pitching it to their clients and they're mulling over like having a document that they want their clients to sign, acknowledging that they turned down their advice to buy Bitcoin for like, <laughs> for like legal <laughs> That's coverage smart, yeah on the back end of the bull, bull market when it runs, it's like, you can't say that we didn't tell you to buy Bitcoin.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah. I, and I then turn it into an inscription. <laughs>
3: I had a I had a, a Stanford MBA classmate um, text me yesterday who I've been trying to get in and he he works for uh, he works for a a, a family office basically um, and I've been trying to get him in for six years four years heavily um, I presented to his his team four years ago a you know a powerPoint presentation I went down to the office and did it and they were interested and curious and didn't didn't buy any. Uh, and he texted me yesterday, "You are a genius on Bitcoin." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, no. <laughs> uh, but where is this coming from? And he's like, the price. Uh, so it, it's all. <laughs> that's the only thing that really moves the needle in terms of people wanting in is FOMO. Yeah. That well, I mean, that's
1: another thing you can throw in in terms of. Um... No, it seems like you guys don't really want to want to do this, but I do quite enjoy just being pointlessly contrarian in this and and trying to poop the party, right? Um, do you not worry that we're all gonna get outrageously large egos as a result of this? Like, if people keep calling us geniuses when we like nothing has changed,
3: <laughs> not deserved at all. Yes, <laughs> that's definitely fair. It's, and that's it's getting I... increasingly difficult to stay humble. We all
2: we all need a little Alexander the Great follow boy who just tells you you're only a man. You're only, well,
4: that's <laughs> Alan, you're, you're spot on that. I mean, that's where the real alpha is like, you know, we talk about, EC and in Slack and everybody's like the price. And I'm like, I don't get like, that's the alpha is like, you can have the focus of what we've always been doing, whether it's 20 K or hundred K, mm-hmm. but the price helps and that's where I, you know, somewhat push back on the bearishness simply because you've made your mark and in a good mark and being contrarian, I think the contrarian nature for this exact <laughs> moment is literally the opposite. Like this changes everything. It blows everybody out of the water in the sense of like, cause it's so obvious. Of like what it did. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. You're probably right.
2: <laughs> None. No, we're so good. That
4: po- All right. Thanks for coming on, Alan. For worth- <laughs> 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 everybody.
2: And we already have an example. Like again, going back to the Vanguard situation. CEO, forget his name, announced that he'll be retiring at right. the back end of this year. They made a very hard stance mm-hmm. at the launch of the ETFs so that they were not going to. Give their clients exposure to these products because they believed it was speculative in nature and too risky and since the etfs have launched vanguard clients have missed out on a more than 50 percent appreciation opportunity in in terms of exposure to Mm -hmm. bitcoin and so people are speculating bitcoiners are speculating certainly that he has announced his retirement because the internal clamoring of fumbling the ball so bad with the Bitcoin well, ETFs. Well, M- Marty, come on. We're not, we're not
1: speculating. We're actively spreading misinformation. You <laughs> guys, I never know it's real or not. You have to
2: bend the knee to actually... Bitcoin. You have to bend <laughs> the knee to Bitcoin.
4: Did he actually have the quote that never while he's CEO will they do it? Because
1: I've seen that. Like, I think it was – or is that not true? I, I think that's a meme. It, it's possible. I, I
0: mean, I've, I've heard something. it.
3: I, I heard it right now, so <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I'm I'm spreading information. I don't know if it's misinformation or if it's real information. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 33 years
4: as CEO, inconveniently the year that the ETF launches, and it's the best you know performing from all measures. Yes, to step down. A bit. I think there's only one one answer there.
3: Yeah, it it, it does feel it feels very notable. It feels like, uh, uh, hey, hey, buddy, uh, you know, the, the board of directors is probably thinking. Um, You know, this isn't panning out the way that our guy in charge said it would. Um, We're seeing massive outflows of capital from our platform to platforms that do offer the ETF, the Bitcoin ETF. And maybe he's, you know, past his prime. Maybe this is a a different time, a different era, and he's attuned to a prior era of investing. I could see that conversation happening in a boardroom um, and it's probably also like he's like i don't need this i'm i'm ready to retire anyway i've been doing this for 33 years like i want to enjoy my family um and so maybe it was like just time to pass the baton um but it is very notable timing here and we just started in hot Alan, how are you doing good to see you nice seeing you in
4: dubai
2: <laughs> it's the best way to start, start uh, yeah just I, going I, I was hot. thinking
1: about this right before we jumped on actually i um, as much as i I would like to say, you know, oh, I'm doing great. I, usually that's what I would say, start of a, start of a podcast. I'm actually kind of grumpy because uh, all my friends are in Madeira and I'm yes. stuck here moving houses. It yeah. <laughs> doesn't look I like was, any of you are yeah. in Madeira either.
2: I was watching the live stream this morning. A lot of High Signal content coming out of my Madeira right now.
1: No, don't tell me that, Marty. Come yeah. on. I'm trying to, I'm staying off of Twitter. I'm just Alan, how come you aren't we there? Join the real world.
3: <laughs> Did you, Alan, did you not pull up the weather in Madeira versus the weather in Scotland and just make a, a you know, an obvious decision I there? I don't need to pull anything up to know the answer to that.
2: <laughs> it actually looks quite cold. Everybody was wearing jackets. Oh, that's I mean, a treasure. Yeah. The, uh, no, yeah. I mean, Madeira, the, the content there is strong. I mean, bull run market or excuse me, bull market. Vibes at conferences, there's nothing better. If you're at a conference when the price is pumping, it's one of the most invigorating energies you could be a part of.
1: I think I disagree with that. Um, I maybe don't have a big enough sample to really draw any meaningful conclusions, but like, for example, Miami 21 was ridiculous. And Miami 22 was like, oh, okay, there's like real conversations happening here now. I, I'm pretty sure this won't apply to Madeira because it, it almost feels like throughout that cycle, people learned a lot of these lessons. Uh, I mean, in particular, people who are planning conferences and like what kind of things they should be seen to be supporting. Um, but I mean, my, my experience so far is that the bear market conferences are sadder, I guess, but but better Quite, quite clearly. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm nervous for this, you know, next conference season, like Nashville will be absurd. I guarantee it.
2: Uh, There's nothing better than Nashville in the middle of July. It's going to be absurd (laughs) on many levels. It's going to be a hot market, literal hot days, and a ton of people in a relatively small city.
3: Marty, you might, you might need to get some fresh air up on a rooftop and do a broadcast. uh, Oh, that's right. Yeah. And get people to stack at the top.
2: Yeah, that's what I was referencing. Bitcoin conference twenty nineteen, the first <laughs> one they ever threw, that Bitcoin magazine ever threw. San Francisco on a rooftop. Matt O'Dell wow. had no facial hair. We were we were pumped. It was like the the mini bull fake out in the middle of that cycle, you. up to fourteen thousand. Yeah, and we were drinking whiskey, telling people to smash by, partying like uh, like the super cycle was upon us, but it was not. Was not that was uh, five years ago.
4: Um, I, do, I do like Alan what you said about the price and being like I was thinking about this the other day. It's like nothing's foundationally changed, especially this return because we just did this sharp run to sixteen eight or whatever and back up to sixty. When you really think about it, it looks almost like a max, like a large bar when it's just like everybody got (laughs) shaken out and nothing actually really changed other than maybe we wiped CZ and, you know, some players off and an ETF launched. And so the reality is like nothing, the the thesis hasn't changed. What we're all building, I think is the exact same thing. And so that lens is always helpful to have in it because we're not any smarter than we were back then or where we're going. And I think that's just like a, a very healthy way to look at this market
1: and how we like allocate personal Yeah, I, th- I think honestly, I mean, I, I'm obviously kind of joking about it and I'm, I'm being a bit facetious just because it's amusing, uh, but but my kind of pseudo-contrarianism, I think, I think where it's coming from is like a frustration with what feels like, uh, I don't know if you guys know this expression, the eternal September. Like we've now, yes. it feels like we've now very much entered the eternal september with bitcoin and so yeah again obviously etfs are great for price but it it seems to have created such a it, it's almost like a vacuum of what want what people want to talk about and in particular what the newbies want to talk about when as you say michael as far as i'm concerned nothing worth talking about has actually changed so why are these people all texting me <laughs> you know what i mean which i'm sure has happened to you as well
3: yeah yeah, well, yeah. But, but let's that, not let's right. not focus. We don't have to ahead. focus
2: on the eternal September. Like, what would be a different, um, a, a big shift in the Bitcoin market, particularly particularly the market structure. Michael, you mentioned Dubai, Alan. I watched mm. you give an incredible speech presentation at Riga. What was that? Two years ago on Bitcoin being uh, Sharia compliant money, mm-hmm. and that's one of the themes that i'm placing my bet on this year is that we see somebody in the middle east an islamic country either define bitcoin as sharia compliant money i believe one has already in some layer of their court system and not only that but ape into bitcoin in a big way and make a public statement about that you were all in dubai mm. or two of you were Did yeah. you get that sentiment at all
4: Ellen, I'm pretty open book, so I'm going to throw it to you, and you can share as much of our conversation mm-hmm. that we had post Dubai on this call about like our stance there, uh, and then we'll we'll use that as a jumping off
1: point. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, well, there's loads of things we could do the entire podcast on this if if you want to go down every every rabbit hole. I, just back to, to Marty's point specifically, I think there's a distinction worth making that uh, on the nation state, uh, you know, adoption or however you want to describe it. That's almost certainly happened already. It's just a question of when they're going to be public about it. So I agree with you. It feels like probably this year, decent odds that there will be news around that. the The point about it, um, I forget exactly how you phrase it, but something to the effect of becoming legally enshrined. I think that's a bit trickier, and i i wouldn't I wouldn't hold out any particular hope for that. Just because I mean, this isn't now immediately a massive rabbit hole, but. Um, because of the way uh that legal process works it, it's nowhere near as simple as a parliament passing a law or something like that it's it's far more of almost a theological process around which there's no consensus actually kind of an amusing term to bring up here um it is very it's very sort of decentralized and, and unofficial and slow as a result. I, you could actually, I, I'm not, I don't want to strain this too hard uh, and end up insulting people on both sides, but I, I, it's not completely dissimilar, let's say, to uh, something like core development, where, you know, you you have many, many, um, no, no official central body per se, many unofficial contributors and uh, for completely different reasons, admittedly, people Uh, having a very strongly conservative bias and kind of a fear of changing anything too quickly. So that's probably far enough down that particular rabbit hole, but I I strongly doubt that will happen soon. But I actually think that whenever it does, I think it will happen eventually, I think when it does happen, the first point having happened first will have been really important to it because it, it won't just be theory at that point. There'll be actual applications in terms of how people are using this new money that, that can be pointed to as part of the justification for it. Yeah.
4: One of the things we talked about, Marty, that I think you'll appreciate is just the whole mining and energy component. And just, there's fundamental reality tied to that area of the world Mm -hmm. of of their goods and services or their, their goods, their energy tied to um, like GDP, that just like roots you in foundation of what is value that there's like a predisposition there than like in a lot of places like San Francisco.
2: Yeah, not only that, and the culmination of events for that particular region, events or themes, I mean, it, it, the Saudi government, Aramco, um, Aramco, the company, Saudi Aramco, they've made it explicitly clear that they want to begin diversifying their assets away from being so heavily concentrated with oil and gas. Adding Bitcoin to the mix makes a lot of sense, and they can leverage their oil and gas assets to make that, that possible. On top of that, obviously, timing... Bitcoin has the institutional stamp of approval of BlackRock Fidelity and others getting into the space uh, and then timing again and leaning specifically into mining. You finally have industrial scale production of hydro facilities that will make it much easier to mine in these climates. And so you have like those three culmination of events Mm -hmm. where they want to diversify away. The narrative for Bitcoin is extremely strong and the hardware to actually materialize a Bitcoin strategy in terms of mining is where it needs to be for them to actually ape in.
1: Yeah, there's another point on top of all of that too, which is I'd say even more intriguing, I guess from like a geopolitical perspective, which is that they want to end their reliance on SWIFT as well. They've seen what has happened to Russia and I mean, to some extent, it's it's been it's been obvious that something like that could happen for a very long time in terms of uh, the I, I don't want to get too conspiratorial about it. But effectively, the U.S. State Department um, weaponizing the uh, the petrodollar for, for purely political purposes. Um, now, you know, that that had been talked about in kind of conspiratorial tones for a very long time. But now the writing's very much on the wall, given what's actually happened to Russia. And so there's. This is uh, The reason I say it's even more intriguing is that I don't think you're ever going to see, or certainly not for a very long time, will you see any public announcements about this. You might even see denials in the face of the the kind of the obvious reality of it playing out. But I think that's yet another reason for them to, to favor integrating various flavors of Bitcoin infrastructure uh, to give them a payment alternative so that they can't just be shut out of global trade.
4: Yeah, and one of the things that doesn't get talked about is the competitive nature in the GCC as a whole, where they like operate, you hear it in the sense of like they run countries like they're companies, but then if that that is true, but if it's to be true, then the different countries running as companies are competing with one another to one up each other. And the closest example, mm. not even close, is like
1: uh,
4: Texas and Wyoming. I feel like there's like a natural, healthy, like cooperation slash competition. With, you know, being more forward thinking and all the things associated with Bitcoin mining, you know, potentially stable coins or, or things like that. And that's like on steroids over there specifically. And you hear this a lot between UAE and Saudi because Saudi sees what the UAE has done. And you've heard this multiple times. I'm sure you have as well, Alan, that they want to basically 100x whatever mm-hmm. happened in Dubai. yeah, And they have the yeah. money to do it, which everybody understands that part. So now that's like Riyadh is this like area that a lot of people are basically buying real estate and starting to like move to because they understand that kind of they can do it at an accelerated pace, whatever happened in Dubai.
2: So Marty's moving to Riyadh. don't think so anytime soon, (laughs) but I would like to visit. See what's going on. It is, I mean, intuitively to me, whether it's the Middle East or some other country in the Middle East or some other country in some other part of the world, a more developed country, that's the next domino to fall as we have the institution stamp of approval. I think nation states and Michael and Alan both make very good points where they'll probably deny it and they won't admit it. But I think they're going to get in, in a big way. That's like the next wave of Mm -mm. big adoption is nation states, sovereign wealth funds aping into Bitcoin.
3: Alan, do you feel like, uh, the, the you know, Zoltan Pozar, or however he is, pronounces his name, from Credit Suisse <laughs> put out that, um, that, that very well-written um, piece right when the uh, Russia cut off from SWIFT and the foreign exchange reserve sees uh, occurred that, you know, this is the beginning of Bretton Woods 3, the end of Bretton Woods 2. And we're entering an era now where, where countries are going to be searching for um, outside money rather than inside money, um, meaning that uh, inside money mean, meaning that it's part of the system, it's it's inside, it's it's controlled by uh, the powers that be, and outside money is not. Uh, and I think he largely meant like oil and gold, um, but he also noted at the end of it that um, mm. despite not being a Bitcoin bull himself uh, in general, that Bitcoin could be the big winner out of all of this. Uh, Do you feel like, you know, fast forward three years, that was uh, probably two years ago, two years now. um, Do you feel like that's playing out?
1: Uh, To be honest, I don't don't want to comment too much on that because I would very quickly get out of my depth. Mm -hmm. Um, The the one thing I would say, though, just in terms of tying together his comments, uh, it's very enticing it's very encouraging that he would do this but i think just in general it's very enticing to start thinking of bitcoin in the same category as something like gold or oil or oil sorry um, on the basis of something that's completely obvious to us but i think isn't at all to normies and is now becoming so that it is completely tangible value right it's not uh it's not Credit-based, like the system that seems right. to be unwinding. So, and, and I mean, you've heard this kind of thing for for a really long time. And again, still, still out my depth. More just kind of as a, a curious observer, um, and uh, you know, having read various historical accounts of this kind of thing, that that it's always in the back of, or maybe or not not eternally, let's say, but since since Bretton Woods, it's been the back in the back of a lot of people's minds that it is just inherently unstable. It's inherently reliant on politics. It would be better if gold, uh, oil I think is a little bit trickier, but certainly gold just because of its history could have more of a role in this. If it, if it could be more grounded in reality, right? Like even maybe back to, to Michael's point about why, uh, you know, Texas and Wyoming and then Saudi and UAE seem to get this more because they're, um, this is more, sorry, what we were talking about before we came on, but uh our our theory i think is that it appeals to them far more in the first place because their own economic experience is far more tethered to reality than you know to make a maybe a bit of a a, a characterized gross characterization you know new york being tied to fiat finance or san francisco being tied to to software or something like that um so so yeah i mean this, this kind of thing has, has obviously been talked about for a long time we can all very clearly articulate why bitcoin would be far better than gold in that kind of role i think what's super exciting is yeah that that other people are the, the people who are in fact qualified to to opine on these issues are starting to include bitcoin in the conversation
3: yeah that there's an, an irony there that b- when you grow up in in a part of the world that enjoys the exorbitant privilege of being able to print. Uh, the global reserve currency out of thin hair, um, you are no longer in tune with monetary reality. And yeah. you can't see when reality is knocking on the door. Well, it's
2: it's interesting too, for, from the American perspective, because yes, for the world of hyper-finance in New York and the world of hyper-tech in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, But I think due to the misunderstanding of Bitcoin in the early years where people really saw it as this tech play and haven't really grokked the monetary aspects or it took people really to hone in on the monetary aspects of what it was, it it looked like a tech play to a lot of people here in the United States and afforded uh, American citizens to accumulate a large portion of the Bitcoin supply to date.
3: Hmm. Which, which is which like... could be an explanation for why there's been altcoining for the last decade. You know yeah. that that energy has been diverted into what else can we create with technology and cryptocurrency? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've said this kind of thing before, actually. That uh, not not exactly
1: wrapped up in, in like oh, it's America's fault, but but that is kind of a funny framing for this, right? That yeah. uh, you, you could you could very easily think of of crypto in its various flavors. I mean, certainly still today, I'd say more so, I think we'll probably look back on the peak as being 21, 22. But it's basically, uh, the starting point obviously is Bitcoin, but it's then specifically misunderstood through the lens of both (laughs) SF Tech and New York Finance. It's like, how how can you misunderstand both the technology and the monetary components of this? And then you dial that up to 11 and then what you get is crypto. (laughs)
4: I think there is a, there's a poetic version of that, of like who, what the individuals, whether it's in China or the U S and in between, um, who gets it, like who's holding Bitcoin today versus who Mm -hmm. holding crypto in the future. And like that lens, I think affords itself for the right people are holding it and will kind of like work through whatever transition or whatever looks like and the things that are built. Um, it's fascinating to see the past 15 years and who are the adopters and then who got in early, but have basically gone crazy and lost all their Bitcoin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, then it also provides, I mean, for what we do, Alan, in the context of 1031 for me and Axiom for you, it provides us an incredible opportunity where all these people are raising billions of dollars and misallocating it to nauseating levels, overlooking Bitcoin (laughs) and the industry being built on top of it. And there's not a lot of Bitcoin-only funds out there. I think the two of ours are two of less than maybe two dozen. If if that mm-hmm. many, and it just p- provides an incredible opportunity for us to, to go support the company. Yes, you know what? actually get the signal.
1: I, w- I wonder if you've ever thought about this before, actually. And I'm not meaning to shit on, well, certainly on myself, not really anyone else either. But I actually think it's kind of sad that there even needs to be such a thing as a Bitcoin only fund. Like I, that, it exists in the first place because of the, uh, <laughs> the misinformation. Non, not saying that ironically but like literal misinformation spewed by crypto that's the only reason bitcoin only funds exist it should just be something that competent tech generalists understand but it isn't at least not yet
4: yeah david king's a good example of this if you guys follow him he's a good buddy with max webster he like actually he understands bitcoin so deeply he doesn't even like talking about it because he knows like the whole kind of connotation around he's still like scarred from you know whatever happens on twitter and you know, obviously mm. we're, we're past that, but like he doesn't like to be labeled from individuals that are building. He's thinking a bit more of like his background in technology, former Google guy. Uh, that's like, just where does Bitcoin insert into the traditional world that provides it more utility? And so to your point, mm. I think that's what like the kind of looks like is less of like, individuals chasing a small amount of Bitcoin companies
1: versus just like every company ends up looking like that in some respect that yeah. incorporates Bitcoin or builds. Yeah. Off. I mean, we, we say this, we say this all the time. I think it comes up on both sides. On the one hand, we're typically very attracted to investment opportunities where uh, in some or other form, the Bitcoin component is just obfuscated away. So, so the company is just, I, I can say this in entirely general, almost vague terms, right? The company is, providing some good or service that is dramatically improved or only possible in the first place because they're utilizing bitcoin as technology we find that a lot more exciting that i was not going to name any names and like shit on anybody but find that a lot more exciting than you know yet another wallet or whatever or, or just just again maybe suitably general level something that we've talked about this before uh michael as well something that would absolutely make sense if we'd already hyper bitcoinized but you know, we haven't, so the TAM is like you and your friends, essentially. Um, And aside from anything else, that's, you know, obviously there's an investment rationale there, but I I think you can can and we do our best to rationalize it on the basis that actually that's what's going to grow adoption in the first place. Like, I, I can think of all kinds of almost use cases, if you like. Maybe even Marty's example of, you know, sovereign states, in particular Middle Eastern states, getting in through energy is a good example of this it's not exactly the kind of thing that you know we are likely to be in a position to make an investment case around but i think i think the logic perfectly applies of you know you're you're doing it in their case for energy in our case it could be anything could be like fintech or telecoms or whatever um you you get involved because it is superior technology for precisely the thing you need that then encourages you to learn more about you know, Bitcoin in a in a wider sense, and then it's kind of inevitable. At some point after that, you end up orange pilled and, and you you start thinking about it more generally. But but everybody has something. You know, every every business in particular will will have some area they're involved in that they deeply appreciate, and that it's it's frankly just a far easier way of orange pilling as well, or at least a first step. Right? It's not. You know, you don't need to. Tell them about the the evil conspiracy of how the Federal Reserve was formed. You just say, you know, if you use this, your costs will go down, something like that. Um, so yeah, so that's that's on the on the company side. But then, just in terms of us trying to trying to fundraise as well, and and maybe not even fundraising, just thinking about what we want the business to look like. You know, we we do we do say quite often that we think it it's only going to be so long from now that it's even going to make sense calling ourselves Bitcoin investors. And it, this is sort of an obvious comparison to the point of kind of being a cliche at this point, but nobody calls himself an, an internet investor, right? There, mm-hmm. there, there was a time when that meant something, when it was helpful to say that because it was, it was helpfully, you know, communicating the more limited area at some point, extremely limited area in which you were looking to deploy. But I assume everyone, in, you know, Everyone on this uh, podcast and probably everybody listening to this podcast as well thinks that Bitcoin will end up having a a similar effect. Don't know over what time horizon exactly, but certainly as it becomes more and more normalized, it'll just become less and less relevant to to specify that that's what you're investing in.
2: Yeah. I mean, the concept of Bitcoiners will fall to the wayside at some point. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Alan, you, you reminded me of um, uh, some venture capitalists came and spoke at, at B-School about um, you know, to, to a class and they, they were asked, like, what's the number one thing you look for uh, in, a, in a startup? And without hesitation, they said uh, shrinking markets, uh, which is to say, like, I want to find something that through technology provides a service that incumbents provide at a higher cost you know? Um, mm. so really the, the manifestation of, of deflationary technology, like that's yeah. what, that's what wins. And that's what really has an edge in the market. And that's what they look for, which, but also
1: which the fiat mind cannot compute, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Well, and so you're, you're talking about, you're, you're talking about, like, you know, riding leveraging the Bitcoin infrastructure, the rails, which touches everything in order to tap into that kind of, that kind of um, investing philosophy of like, what does how do you how do you invest in companies that do something better by using Bitcoin mm-hmm. than companies can do?
1: Yeah, and yeah,
3: just to tie it back to Marty's
1: question as well, that I feel like not just me, but again, almost every uh, every Bitcoin focused VC has such a ridiculously disproportionate advantage in. Not only finding just because of the community but evaluating and and hopefully successfully investing in companies like that for for again i think a really sad reason it's it's not even that we're brilliant or you know we
0: i don't know i don't even see it i
1: i I don't i don't think complimenting ourselves is the appropriate way of addressing that it's that the generalists should see it but Mm -hmm. they don't because on the one hand they just don't understand Bitcoin, basically. But I think it's even worse than that. It's that they deeply misunderstand Bitcoin. They believe a lot of things about Bitcoin that are, are completely false. And so they'll dismiss it rather than take it seriously. And then that's only dramatically compounded from there by all of the, again, misinformation uh, coming from crypto that that just exacerbates the entire situation. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think of a lot of what we do is just, so incredibly straightforward that I'm just I'm like amazed that others don't see it. Well, hopefully they will one day, and then hopefully yeah, all these investments well, will be amazing.
2: <laughs> well, it's like going back to Michael's point from earlier, it's like we've been in this so long that we've seen it, and we've understood it and internalized it, and it's crazy to us that others have not gotten to this point yet, but mm. you have to remember it takes years, maybe shorter now with all the information out there, but it takes quite a while to come to fully grok it, Start with the monetary properties, the distributed network, and then diving mm-hmm. deeper, understanding how the protocol level interacts with the Lightning Network, how protocol level interacts with things like Fediments or uh, single-member federations. Like That's a very steep learning curve. And going back to your point earlier that the journalists should get this and you should be incorporating Bitcoin into businesses that aren't even Bitcoin-first businesses, I think as – venture venture funds in this space, that's going to be one of our biggest advantages moving forward is you're going to have all these companies that are like, oh, shit, we need a Bitcoin strategy. We need to figure out how to incorporate Bitcoin into our business model and into our application mm-hmm. stack. And they're going to go to us and be like, all right, you guys know Bitcoin. You have capital. Get on the cap table and help advise me as I do this.
4: There, there's two sides of that because the other side is like there's two missing parts of like the thing that... I, operators or generalists have generally if they're doing it right is they have operational experience in the traditional world which is like a prerequisite from building so you have to like tie both together but i think what um alan said that's really like you were saying that they're deeply misunderstand bitcoin and if we take it a step further it's the foundational layer that bitcoin allows us to see the world through that i think you were alluding to of like they're like whether it's chasing a dollar return or just thinking about how do you build a business because you have this like unit that just fundamentally warps your your brain and how Mm -hmm. you think about Mm -hmm. growth and all of these things is that like fundamental layer and then everything else starts to build on top of it and that's why you see this like insanity whether it's we work or all these different things that (laughs) stem from it and so it's almost like if a vc like in like whatever top tier just understood bitcoin and there's actually ones like that the guys that um the palantir co-founders uh joe lonsdale and um Uh, Drew Odin, which I would think is like top five VC sitting in Austin, like they actually foundationally believe that crypto is all BS, Bitcoin is the thing. And you can Mm -hmm. actually see that thesis if you go look at their site, what they do. They have an incubator, they do like really incredible stuff. But I think that's like the prerequisite to be a top tier in the market because you got to understand like Bitcoin. But that's not enough because you have to know the current market landscape, operational excellence, who operates at the highest level, and how do you infuse those together to like actually build the next generation of companies.
2: Yeah, there's a couple others like Valor, Craft. Yeah. they seem to get it as
4: well. Yeah, David Sachs is an interesting person that like seems to grok,
0: like foundational, kind of you can't make things out of thin air. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. If you're interested in exploring any of these topics further or want to learn more about how we can help you secure a new or existing Bitcoin allocation, get in touch with our team at onrampbitcoin.com We look forward to supporting you on your bitcoin journey
2: and so this is how bitcoin is affecting venture capital i know we want to talk about bitcoin's overall effect on asset management as well like what hard lessons is the asset management world going to learn over the next decade because bitcoin is gaining in adoption and proliferating throughout the global economy
1: could could I could I make it like fifty years rather than ten? Because then yes. I, I I get to be more 50. obnoxious in my answer. I, I I'm pretty sure we've spoken about this before, Marty. I've definitely written about it, although potentially in a similar tone to my my chat earlier about the ETF. It might have been so facetious that people didn't take it seriously. But I, I honestly believe, um, w- without intending this as a, as a joke or, or a dunk on you know Vanguard or whoever. Um, Actually, no sorry i do very much intend it as a dunk on vanguard not as a dunk on people buying etfs global asset management in the very very long run is going to go to max 10 percent of what it is now maybe even smaller basically because the vast vast majority of the purpose it serves is legitimate now but only because of the perverse incentives of fiat hmm. so I, I'm phrasing that very carefully because I'm I'm not saying oh it's all a scam. If anything, it's it's kind of a coping mechanism for the the far more widespread, more insidious scam. It's it's it allows a lot of people a way to maybe not escape the scam entirely, but at least um, you know not feel its effects to the fullest that they might otherwise. But as that gradually gets replaced by bitcoin so will the entire purpose of most of asset management i think which which, by the way was quite a quite a daunting well to the extent is true was quite a daunting realization when i worked in asset management (laughs) well i still do work in (laughs) asset management but now at least it's now, now it's explicitly bitcoin focused when i worked in generalist asset management i remember realizing this and being like oh this is this is bad. Well, I, I mean, I guess it's good. For civilization, it's good. For
3: my career, it was bad. Yeah. And so, so I guess the, the implication there, Alan, is that the Cantillon effect and a debt-based monetary system creates inefficiencies or opportunities that necessitate or, or allow for, not necessitate, allow for um, value accretion on a much larger scale than you can have in a financial system if you do not have a Cantillon effect and a debt-based monetary system in action. Is, is yeah, that I think that's part of it. That's,
1: that's not exactly what I was getting at, although that is also, that's, yeah, another reason to believe this. Um, what, what I meant was more like the fact that you simply can't save with, with money, right? Money is purely or almost entirely useful transactionally but not really as a savings instrument, which is why I think it's so useful to just, you know, this touches on a whole bunch of things we've talked about um, so far to, to, to call Bitcoin savings technology. That's by far the most accurate way of describing what it does. And also, not, not just in terms of being accurate, but kind of downplaying a lot of stupid hype around what it doesn't do that actually lends itself better to, to crypto. So with that in mind, given, basically, given you can't, save with fiat on an appropriately long time horizon you can save for a couple of years but you certainly can't save for your retirement say it creates this absolutely gigantic need for uh not only a savings instrument but channeled via investment vehicles that have no business at the very least, having very monetary premium that they now have but i think frankly in a lot of cases they have no business even existing because they they exist at all to fulfill this uh you know ersat savings role and so that's what yeah. i mean that eventually all that'll just go away because so, because you can so, save it
3: so savings technology shrinks the market of needing to yes, find a way to exactly. generate
4: yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. the level of the level of fuckery is absolutely like insane like i can't even wrap my head around that's why i appreciate like what we're trying to build and just figuring out the custody because then you can start to build up but to alan's point i think mm-hmm. about like zombie companies that go to the capital markets like i cannot understand <laughs> i think about not to throw them under the bus but IBM's probably a great example i think it's understood that they're like a, a zombie you know effectively mm-hmm. but to be able to go and raise debt and do all these things to continue their life like the amount of ways that transpires whether it's economically through uh, an investment bank and managing that and who's getting the fat check. And then the people that are still working, going and building things that like, again, uh, I think Chamath got crap for this, but it was like, there was directional to it a few weeks ago when he made that tweet about like, I'm starting a fund to go just invest in companies that will rebuild like fortune 500s or publicly traded, but at one tenth the amount of like just one tenth the efficiency or the, or mm-hmm. One-tenth the the cost at a hundredth or whatever of the efficiency, basically being like all these companies just foundationally aren't built correctly. And that's yeah. just one small micro example of what you're alluding to from a more macro finan- uh,
1: financial architecture mm. of how everything has been built. There's just yeah. so much fat everywhere. I mean, so I, don't, I don't know I don't know the details of Chamath's proposal, so I, d- I don't mean to uh, – I'm not really arguing against it per se, but from what you outlined just there, it seems like it's nonetheless missing the critical component of – bitcoin or or more like missing the the critical lack of a component of fiat given that yeah you can you can go after ibm if you want you know that uh, boeing came to mind as as um as you were giving that example too i mean there's the point though is that there's endless examples that you you could give. you know you can go after them as a startup but you can't compete with their completely artificial access to gargantuan amounts of capital that keeps them alive even though they shouldn't be alive on the one hand and this capital shouldn't really even exist on the other so uh, good luck to him i guess but i think he's not the the problem is far deeper he should just buy Bitcoin. and and the beauty of that
4: is like we will get there with like the the core theme is the opportunity cost should be bitcoin because once it's
1: bitcoin then you don't end up with all that because that's like where we end up the end state yeah it's interesting you you've actually th- i've realized uh, just in the past couple of minutes the past few questions you've taken a slightly different perspective on this which again i also approve of but it's it's not exactly what i meant so it's and correct me if i'm wrong i don't mean to put words in your mouth but it seems like you're more interested in describing the opportunity cost of all the capital misallocation that follows from this which is also true very happy to talk about that too my original concern though was to some extent this is a misallocation of capital but i see it as more honestly like a like an injustice more than more than the the directly you know economic implications is why does this industry even exist like there's there's a huge amount of middlemen and you know intermediation of various sorts that again, is, well, I, is a rhetorical question because I know why it exists. It exists to provide a, a means of saving that otherwise just wouldn't. Um, but, you know, now we have a means of saving that doesn't require any any intermediation, which actually, we've come full circle, right? This is why the ETFs are bullshit. Why are you paying <laughs> these? <laughs> well, well, just save. Yeah. Just use it, savings technology.
2: <laughs> and to like, go like a layer deeper into the bullshit, like, it's gotten to such a point from a passive investment standpoint that A lot of the relationships that are built between companies and the investment managers that are running the 401k plans, whatever, they're just literally people taking each other out, getting them drunk, becoming friends, being like, hey, you should just come into our fund, Mm -hmm. pay our fees because you like me. And everybody's doing the same thing, essentially.
4: And there is actual value, Alan, to your point. This came up yesterday with a guy that's. We may know of circle they manage like 80 billion dollars from an investment perspective and i was telling him about some like very large institutional investors that are we're onboarding and he's like well why wouldn't they just go smash buy bitcoin and again i was telling him i was like this tell you told me exactly what you know how far you're down the rabbit hole because it doesn't make sense to us but if you take a step back and this is part of like where you know we say an asset management firm built on multi-institution because at the end of the day There is value in somebody, whether it was BlackRock. I don't think it's BlackRock because I don't think they understand what's happening here, but educating the buyer of what they're getting into and the price cuts in half to double down and when it appreciates not to sell and all the things associated with the asset because there's so much inherent understanding or innate understanding from this group, but that isn't there and they don't necessarily know what they're buying. It's the same example as like financial advisors, which I think in today's terms are almost like... um, this is going to, you know, a lot of financial advisors piss them off, but they're, they're almost in my mind like uh, <laughs> travel agents in the future. They won't really exist, unless they're very niche. Mm. But I think what will exist, and it reminds me of what a lot of folks at like an Unchained or here do, and what we did was thinking about what is financial advice around the asset. How do you uh, think about it from an inheritance perspective? How do you think about it if you do need to access the capital markets to get dollars because you have to buy a home and you don't want to sell because of a ca- uh, tax? A gain mm-hmm. or a capital gains all of those things will be foundational and are needed because of the understanding of us looking at this for so long they just take a different form and they should be paid for like it's a good value being delivered mm-hmm. it's just not an etf where somebody smash buys it sits on coinbase where they like go to zero or whatever happened the past week they get they're like you know incompetent in multiple levels and they're hoping that they're going to give them the bitcoin
1: when they want it because we know how that ends yeah yeah i think there's a lot to pick up on there too just that I was very deliberate in how I said I didn't say or certainly didn't mean to say or imply that asset management just goes away, like Bitcoin just disintermediates finance or whatever, which interestingly, there's maybe even a good tangent there about why I hate DeFi as a meme because it just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Even even if you believe all of this, it still doesn't make any sense. I, I, I picked 10% just because it seems like a nice round number. I don't know. It could be 5%, 1%, who knows? But I think there's there's a huge number of, functions of financial and financial intermediation that are extremely valuable and will will absolutely still be needed on on a bitcoin standard i don't know how interesting it is to like go through what i think some of these will be um my my point is more about the quantum of capital that is forced through this system that's what i think goes away right yeah. or, or, or mostly goes away because um, currently the the and I think actually even to your point about you know what somebody like BlackRock thinks or or does or doesn't understand about what what's really happening here, um, I almost feel like the um, I forgot. where I was going to go with that. I was going to make fun of BlackRock, but I forget why.
4: <laughs> There's too <Anyway>. many reasons. <laughs> yeah. The the thing that I was anchoring, and I think where we're both saying the same thing, and I, I just try to pull back where you're given a wider aperture, and I think to like zoom in for individuals that aren't again as deep is um mm. I think a fintech, like I think Bitcoin is the real fintech, and this idea of like think about mm. how much capital <laughs> yeah.
2: has this been financial at technology. You.
4: Yeah, but think about how much capital from like all the way from the fat of formation that you're talking about investment banks Mm -hmm. and VCs and pensions putting money, like to the tunes of probably trillions of dollars. It's not hundreds of Mm -hmm. billions of dollars into fintech. And what we're describing here is Bitcoin is financial technology and there'll be capital uh, invested into it. It's just at one one thousandth or whatever of the amount. And that takes out a lot of needs for all the different people right now playing within that capital stack.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you I'm, you I'm just going to. I'm going to remember how I was going to make fun of BlackRock, but um... <laughs> oh no, no, I remember what it was. Yeah, no, it, it ties perfectly to exactly your point just there, Michael, too. And um, it's that they, I think the this is this is almost like a truism in a sense, but appreciating exactly why it's the case, I think, is is interesting. That they're they're acting with a very they're acting what seems rationally on a very short term time horizon, and the problem is that they've never really thought about why the circumstances they're used to even exist in the first place so you can kind of see why they'd be if not like super strongly resistant to bitcoin at least highly highly skeptical even in the context of like oh we can make a shitload of money off an ETF right we can skim the flows of this even if we don't really believe in the stock um their entire their entire business model I guess that's probably the best way of putting it their entire business model is is predicated on a need that this undermines I mean that's that's yet another reason I, I like to be kind of jokingly contrarian about the ETFs that I think they I think I like in all honesty this is maybe not that much of a joke is maybe just more on what perspective are you willing to adopt that you you can't really be bullish on bitcoin if you own an etf it it doesn't it's philosophically incoherent you can't have a a bullish thesis on bitcoin that involves etfs making sense so that's another i mean obviously no one no one cares no one smashed by an etf cares about this um but i think in like 50 years they will that's kind of my point
4: yeah no i i love that because i think it's resonates with like i just joked that it's a different they're different planets the gravity is different like we're just talking about different things, right? And like when you try to like understand this, you're like, wait, you're breathing a different type of like oxygen than what I'm at. We're talking about a different level playing field, and that's what you're describing. And uh, mm-hmm. so you can, yeah.
2: I think I think it happens sooner than 50 years because we've discussed this. I think in the summer last summer, Michael, like the ETF when when the ETFs first started getting filed, they were becoming a big conversation. And we were telling people, don't buy the ETF; you're going to want actual Bitcoin that you can call in kind at some point because what we're seeing mm. is that it is turning into actual money that you can spend in many different ways. And I think at some point sooner than 50 years from now, it's gonna be abundantly clear that you're gonna be able to transact with Bitcoin and use Bitcoin in unique ways as collateral or use its properties to do specific escrow agreements that you're gonna need the actual underlying UTXOs mm. or access to Bitcoin on the Lightning Network or within uh via ch- uh e cash tokens within a mint. Like and I think the pure yeah. utility that using actual Bitcoin provides today and will provide in the future is just gonna force people out of the ETFs because they're like, I actually need to use this thing. I can't just yeah have it sit in this yeah. fund and look well, at it.
1: Well so so that's interesting. I, I I think obviously completely agree with the the points about the utility. Um I do think to some extent though the the bull case for the ETFs kind of necessitates a bit of a bear case on the timeline of all of this. I'll yep. explain what I mean by that. So, I think the I, I don't really know the details. This is pure speculation, but I, I would imagine that the vast majority of ETF demand, not just now but probably ever, is coming from. Um, best way of describing it i guess would be something like pools of capital with no other legal option so it's it's people who actually can't just go buy bitcoin and and hold it i mean actually michael probably disagrees with this because i'm sure you have a whole on ramp presentation explaining why this is (laughs) like misunderstood but um but i i would even in light of that actually michael you should comment on this in just a second but I, I would imagine that the extent to which that's true is largely the case, just at the margin, and for for the still for the majority, if not the not all, but you know some pretty solid majority of ETF buyers, it's because like they also couldn't just have dollars, right? It's like it's trapped in this environment, and this is like a nice release valve almost. But it's again, it's not you know it's not real Bitcoin. It's not like going all the way. And so, in terms of linking that to the timeline, though. The way I see this unraveling, and the, uh, the reason I just picked 50 years, again, it's just—it's like a round number, but it's suitably long that it's difficult to think about, is that I see this unwinding by people not contributing to pension plans in the first place. So it, it really takes an entire—this it, it, won't be the only reason, obviously, but I think this will be the most important reason on a sufficiently long time horizon that— because we have this savings technology now, which is we just never had in any of our lifetimes, people will choose to actually save. And uh, one way you could actually interpret this, I guess, is that they'll, in doing so, they will be starving the beast, right? The capital that would otherwise have just naturally flowed into whatever ETFs, mutual funds, all all kinds of active passive management—just this entire just trillions of dollars, of most of which is useless intermediation now actually just goes into money instead but i think that takes i don't know 50 years is exactly the right number to pick but you know it it takes a um a life cycle of workers opting for a different way to save i think that's that's like the cleanest way of understanding it so that's why i'm kind of bearish on the on the timeline yeah there's
4: a um... A few things there. One is, um, so Marty's wife listens, and um, you know she—he's promised eight to ten years uh, because she's tired of him hanging out with his internet, magic internet friends. Uh, they want to. Marty has a small Latin American country he's gonna to buy with his uh, his, his Bitcoin when price. <laughs> We're she, Eleven so years in already. Eight, uh, Eleven, but another eight years. Um, yeah, the the funny part you referenced, Alan, is uh, there's a lot of like like corollaries to like past. You know biblical and like not even get like in that side of but there's this like notion of you got to be out you got to like wait for um almost like what you described as a a group to pass before the next people will uh, understand it or like adopt it or fully embrace mm-hmm. it um but then the the etf thing is really interesting because i i've found like um When you build in this space like the closer you tie to like bitcoin or the the protocol um or the the history and experiences at unchained where you start to really like tie into like a lot of the sayings or like the the notion of uh, i guess it's a sun tzu quote but wait for the long enough by the uh, wait long enough by the river for the body of your enemies to float by and it's like you think about exchanges and all the things Mm -hmm. happening and another one i think of is like the bitcoin etf for specifically you reference on ramp or or any like buddy building custody is it's almost good, uh, is a great example as well. It's good if they don't release, if they don't let you have the escape valve, like you can take delivery. And it's it's good if they let you and it's good if they don't. And for obvious reasons, if they don't, then people are gonna like learn and go other places. And if they do, the beauty is like people, or at least my thesis is like, they're going to need help and they're not gonna go to Coinbase. Like they would just leave it with the ETF. So then they're gonna go search out solutions. And we talked about this with KPMG last week. It's like, I see a, a future world where like, again, let's say Michael Saylor, somebody like him is holding a large position, like $10 billion into Bitwise or, you know, whatever ETF, it might as well all be the same, right? They're at Coinbase. And then they wake up and they say, well, why don't I participate in this governance effectively? And why don't, I, you know, in a three or five, four or five, whatever the number is, why does an, our organization sign the first transaction between 10 controllers? Whatever that looks like. And then some, they, if, if they come to that, they're going to need somebody to support them with that. Process and so I just see that would be the the valve, regardless of if they let it come out because BlackRock's not going to do that. Like no, I mean there's very few people are going to do that because that's just not how they're built. They want to centralize and hold the assets. So I don't know if that helps in like the framing of like how I think about this playing mm-hmm. out. But either way, they're going to get educated and they're going to be like, holy crap, BlackRock holds a trillion dollars. This is not good for my position because if something happens, that's a zero on my book. And that's why I like very bullish on yeah. everything we're building because we've seen this happen with BlockFi. Nobody thought it would go to zero. And then <laughs> it, goes, it goes to zero.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think the market's going to force this. I mean, just look at what happened. What was it two days ago? Now at this point, like Coinbase could not handle the the trading volume. They their systems went down. You couldn't buy, you couldn't sell. You were seeing zero dollar asset balance in the application. Like if you're an ETF, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. That's
1: quite funny. If you're an ETF yeah.
2: custodian with this company, or if you're a buyer of the ETF that is custodying with this company, you're like, what is going on here? We need we need to make sure not that all this risk is not concentrated mm. within this one company. So I think to your point, Michael, the participants will begin to force this. Like, Hey, if you want yeah. my business, you're gonna have to play in this model.
1: Yeah, uh, to, to be fair though. So, so this is an interesting point to, uh, again, be a bit bearish, but for a more serious reason, rather than just pseudo contrarianism. Right. And I, I do Michael will, I guarantee you, Michael knows what I'm about to say in significantly more detail than I do. So I encourage you to push back on this. Um, But I I do wonder if there's uh, the, the kind of the glass half empty view is, you know, okay, yes, all these somewhat inevitable failures will encourage people to think it through more thoroughly. And if anything, I think that goes to what we talked about right at the start in terms of them being an educational stepping stone. But how much will not be able to escape, like how much will go in and will never come out? Um, regardless of how educated everybody gets. I don't know. Do, do, you, have a, do you have a comeback to that, Michael? I have a very strong one, and it's kind of it's scary. Oh, I,
4: I don't even want to say it, but I will because I don't care. Is uh, I think that there's a real world. There's a non-zero chance whatever goes in never comes out.
1: Yeah. And, and oh, what happened? You're, what, you're what, agreeing it, with me even more. Never strongly. comes out.
2: and Never comes out. In Bitcoin and dollars, or just Bitcoin? The Bitcoin Look, gets stuck there, are you Bitcoin saying that it's getting confiscated? Is that what you're trying to say? I've been in
4: chats with you, I've told, I've told you that, that, I think that there's a non-zero chance, whatever the ETFs are, we like, it's basically, forget about the ETFs, that whatever 21 million, obviously we all know it's arbitrary number, and we think in our heads it's 17 million, we end up with, or 16, it could be maybe 12, or 11, or 10. And this could be a real mm-hmm. reason why uh, I think there's a non-zero chance. Like I think it's that, like I fall in your camp, Alan, like in my heart and my, you know, head of like where you're coming as staunch, like this is not good. But at the same point, I like have to build a business in the real world. And like from this perspective and you know, the, the products and services mm-hmm. and the reality is when you meet people where they're at, they don't want to hear that. So you got to explain that. Like, yeah, like yeah, of, course. And all of it. But there's just, it's true. Like I would tell anybody that it's like, you go in and it happened. Like the, the beauty of all of the things we're saying, we're not pontificating for the sake of it, it's like, we saw this, we told people this at previous firms, whether it was Genesis, which I guess maybe they're making people whole, but in some respects, not, not every respect, um, 3AC, Celsius, FTX, we can continue to go and it's gonna happen again. It's basically the basis of what we build this for is because we believe orders of magnitude of carnage are gonna happen in you know, mm-hmm. two to three years when the market. The, the fun part about this, or not fun, but I've been having this conversation is, you know it'd be like, well, why would you think it's gonna happen? And the easiest answer is the same people that were running Blockfire, FTX, are running these exact same products.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say something even snarkier than that. I thought you were going to say, uh, "Why don't you think it's going to happen?" Yeah. There you go. I, I think I'm, that's. I'm so good. Alan that, on that, last... that pushes <laughs> them to again actually start going deeper and like force them out of the. You know, the I would. I don't mean to be insulting, but non-bitcoin I was going to say the fiat attitude but it's just you know the the pre-bitcoin legacy financial system attitude of you know it's slightly different to the point I was making before about all these intermediaries now it's more like custodians right like these assets don't really exist in any meaningful sense without the custodians involvement but now they do so like why are you putting it back in the box
2: no and it's i mean we've seen this I've seen this person. I saw it this week. I told the story on rabbit hole recap yesterday, but it is important to list because this stuff will happen. We've seen it many times. We predicted it many times. We talked for years about BlockFi and the fact that their lending practices were extremely risky and likely to blow up. Celsius was a well-known scam behind the scenes. And then FTX was just obviously a a corrupt institution. SBF had no idea what he was talking about. If you actually listened to him, during his interviews and so you have examples there and as we're talking here like it seems like there's a similar trend taking place right now even though there may be an institutional stamp of approval on these things like i would not rule out the likelihood that the bitcoin is mismanaged in one way or another whether that's um taking it and lending it out for degen traders to do something with it whether um the government confiscates it but You have this ability via uh, multi-sig setups like the ones that OnRamp provides to actually take control of your Bitcoin and reduce this risk and eliminate this risk. And I had a buddy Mm -hmm. who called me on Monday. He got SIM swapped on Sunday and he thanked me because two years ago I convinced him to move his Bitcoin off of the exchange he was using and into a multi-sig vault at Unchained, and the reason I told him is he's a public figure, and he's talked about owning bitcoin and I'm like dude, you're a target you've talked about Bitcoin publicly you're pretty well known like you are going to get attacked in the future, and that is exactly what happened and he texted me to thank me for telling him to get it into a secure um, a secure custody setup with unchained and this is going to happen time and time again well, um the thing, in many different ways
4: the thing i'd be care, careful in that one is um it was good for now but like i think we all agree we're in a like bear market for whether it's statism or the just uh, like you know what or, i'm sorry bull market for statism and overreach and also in the same way of like degradation of you know just we all walk around cities and we see kind of I don't know if it's famine's the right word, but like despair and, and you see that on the internet, it manifests in the internet form and that's why you wanna protect the asset. What concerns me is being loud about us holding our keys and, and it's not to say not to do it or whatever, it's more of like, I talked to somebody the other day in South Africa, his brother was um, tortured for his Bitcoin because he knew they knew the process, they knew how to like, it was just a whole OTC transaction mm-hmm. went wrong, but it's this whole notion of like, we're, that will not, not happen as the price goes into hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so this idea of like, because we have our keys and now they're split apart, like our families are not, it's not something we want to be loud about, even though it's a good like thing to say off the exchange. It's like, we're still so early that what's good at 40 K won't be the same at 400 K or 4 million. Um, So anyway, that's just a a notable thing. And then uh, Alan, I really liked your position on there. It's like, tell me why this wouldn't happen. It goes back to what we said earlier in the call. It's like, (laughs) tell me what your position is on why this why we shouldn't have a, a an allocation in the same way? Tell me, like, why the, the ETF or any centralization would work out well. And Brian Cabellas from our team said it really nicely. It's like we have the most decentralized asset we've ever seen, and we put it on a centralized
1: custodian. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I go even further than that, right? It's it's obviously agree with that framing of it, but and and Marty mentioned this before in terms of um, you know various uh, utilities, let's say, of of actually owning it that. Uh, it's also natively digital. It's it's arguably the first and on, the kind of the only natively digital asset. And you're you're also just forcing it back into an analog wrapper. Like why? Yeah,
4: I, I joke around. I say the only difference between Bitcoin and gold is multisig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right? that was like, a good yeah. idea. I, I've said I've said a similar version of that several times. That uh, that you can't multisig gold. Yeah, I, again, usually in just kind of a snarky way to like make people think rather than making an actual point. <laughs> you probably
2: could. You could have a vault with three keys, three individuals. <laughs> keys yeah, but the gold turn would at the be same in time. one place. That's like, true. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't know, it is hard, like timelines and thinking how quickly all this will evolve, whether it's on the capital formation side and the price of Bitcoin or the utility side and what you can do with Bitcoin. It's fun to think about, because I mean, on the utility side, I see it every day, Um, just new apps coming out that you can interact with very easily. Mm. That again, we're in a bubble. We've been in this for a while. We see it clearer than most people on the planet. It's like, holy shit, this is a step function improvement on the way I was interacting with apps that exist in the incumbent tech space, Um, just because you add some Bitcoin to it, maybe add Nostr or something else. Um, and it seems like things are happening quicker. And then you also have the tailwind of the, maybe, I mean, societal degradation is one way to see it, but another, one way to say it, another way to say it is just the complete collapse of confidence in institutions. And I think that mm-hmm. introduces a catalyst where people will be more receptive to um, looking into Bitcoin and using Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, new ways agree. To do I, I think that's huge. I, I think my only, uh, I don't know what's the best way to put this. I was going to say my only issue with it, but I, I don't disagree with you at all. It's more like my concern about it even being true in the first place is that I've always found that is a terrible way to advertise it. Right. Like nobody, yeah. nobody wants to hear that everything is going to shit. I, like, if, I, or if, if they are willing to hear that, they're certainly not willing to hear. <laughs> you know, they just sit through the lecture on how everything's going to shit, and then you're, you know, you're going to fix it with your magic internet beans. Like that's <laughs> that that just pushes them over the edge. So, yeah, I mean, again, I completely agree with the the facts of the case. If you like, I just have no idea how to make that argument. I I, I kind of feel like it almost came across in the way you said it there, Marty. That probably the best way that works is people just making the argument for themselves, like all coming to a similar conclusion about that.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what's happened to the up until this point is individuals coming to their own conclusions. Like, hey, all of us at one point looked at what was happening, looked at Bitcoin, we're like, all right, I'm going, I'm playing over here. That'll happen. Mm. I think at an accelerated pace. And it's hard because you can't completely disconnect the state of the world from the value prop of bitcoin but i agree messaging is important narratives are important and that's why i'm excited to see all these new applications and use cases for bitcoin come into market because it provides the opportunity to pitch bitcoin in an optimistic light like look at what you can yeah, do
1: yeah. with bitcoin that you can well to, to, to michael's point right to reach people where they are right if yeah. you can if this is this is I, I mentioned this in a completely different context before in terms of like what we like to invest in um if you can i'm trying to think how, how even how sneaky you can be about it if, if you can actually get somebody to use something or to start using something fairly continuously on the basis that it just works right or is just is cheaper or whatever and then at some point you know pull back the curtain is like aha it was bitcoin all along <laughs> like that's that's great that's way better than what was i said before you know whining about the the conspiracy of the setup of the federal reserve, or as you know, as you brought up now, like pointing to how everything's going to shit, like that's, there's very few people you can meet there. (laughs) There's a lot more people you can meet by it just being useful.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think the people coming in is an exciting component because price is, you know, the forcing function for awareness. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these discussions and people and companies will be exciting at the next wave. And, um, I'm actually, uh, I would say this after the thing, but I'll say it now. I'm pretty uh, bullish on Alan being on the the last trade. You know, you're gonna have to do, do this again. It's a nice, like, different take
2: than uh, to healthy. Well, what's that? It's much la- more laid back since we all know each other. It's a much more laid back conversation. And...
4: Well, laid back, but there's like a healthy, like, pushback and contrarian take of like, oh, let's, let's think about it in a different way. That I think, I think,
1: listeners are gonna like. I think this was a good, uh, was a good rip. You you got to take that with a pinch of salt, though, because keep in mind. My proclivity to do that very much comes from Twitter rather than like real life or it being useful or anything. It's just like, <laughs> I just
2: well, that's why I just want to
0: like
1: kick the hornet's nest a bit.
4: No, that's why that's why it makes good because instead of just taking it, we're like, wait, let's let's really dissect. Are you saying this just to say it's ruffle some feathers, or there's the validity? And and I think that's what we've done, kind of on this uh,
2: this episode. Yeah, and for anybody. Who has not read the incredible research pieces that Axiom puts out? Make sure you go read those. One of my favorites is um, the one that Theo Mogenet wrote on.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that's recreating
2: really money market funds. I mean, all, there's three
1: of them, and I think they're all good. But I yes, agree.
2: Eric Yakes, and then your piece, right? You and watched, my one was uh, the first one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go read it all. It's uh, Orange is the New Green. I think was my favorite.
4: We'll all have to get together soon. I think uh, me and Alan might be looking at the UAE a little part-time go, go visit. And then Marty <laughs> wants to go out there. So uh, we'll
2: get are it. you getting a place in the UAE too?
1: <laughs> I don't think anybody's getting oh, a place. It's, but it's, uh, it's flag we'll theory, isn't it? Right. You got to get places everywhere. I'm not a flag, Don't you yes. know society is collapsing, Marty? I'm,
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. America will be the bastion of freedom. I will die on that hill.
4: Are you gonna be in Texas or? Florida? You probably will
1: literally die on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man!
2: Get stabbed by some homeless <laughs> person on the street. <laughs>
1: with a machete. Yeah. Stabbed by some shit coiner.
2: I should have went to Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alan, thank you, Michael. We have anything else we want to wrap no, up? No, thank with?
4: you, guys. No, it was awesome. I'm I'm looking forward to doing this again.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely. Good luck with the rest of your move. I know it's uh, literally the worst activity in the world is to, is to move. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. I don't envy your position at all. And uh, hopefully you get some time to to enjoy part of your weekend this weekend.
1: I will do my best. Yes, I, w- I will stay off Twitter. I will temper my FOMO. I'll maybe go outside. I'll enjoy the real world.
2: That's <laughs> nice. Get some fresh air. We'll be back next week. See you guys.